we pick up in chapter 15, verse 14, So, where Paul is exhorting the Gentiles in Rome. And so I'll read, uh, read this chunk this morning. For I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. Because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me and bring the Gentiles to obedience to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you for this morning. God, thank you for this place to gather, and thank you for the hearts in this room that that you have brought here, Lord, to hear your word, to worship you, to know you, to go deeper in and further up. Yeah, I just pray that you would pierce our hearts this morning with your words, God. Just um, that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed. Lord, that you would bring exhortation and encouragement. Just as Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, just encouraging them of what what they've done, Lord. Be made much of here, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, so like I said, Paul is exhorting uh, the Gentiles here in Rome. So Gentiles, uh, Jews, Gentiles, right? Jew, Gentiles, we're probably most of us are Gentiles in this room, um, except maybe Cam. I think that kid, yeah, he's got a bright future. So, um, but uh, so Paul's exhorting the Gentiles, and, and saying, you're doing some good things. Um, you're making strives to rightly divide the word of God and make disciples that could be sent out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. These things, you're, you're, um, you're able to instruct one another. You're doing some good things. It's like, <clears throat> there are some things that the church in Rome is doing that today that... Uh, a church in Prineville, Oregon, Calvary Chapel, that we want to do well. We want to um, make strives to rightly divide the word and make disciples that we can send out uh, to spread the gospel. And But, but he gets to chapter 15, there's this but. On some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. 
And so, Paul's giving the Romans a reminder here uh, of the truths of God. So, you've done these things good, but, but I just I want to remind you of, of these truths. Um, it's important that we spend time with God in prayer and in his word, because like the Romans, we need a reminder of the truths of God. And if we're not pressing in, if we're not spending time with God, we're going backwards because the the world, the cares of the world are, 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 are pulling us away from God. And so we need reminded of the truths of God. Truths like he's righteous, he's faithful, he's gracious, he's loving, and he... And he is a just God. Things happen, circumstances change in life, but but we remember remember these things. God, God is righteous and he's faithful and he is just. When things when things seem to go away where we're like, Ew, that's not the way I'd take it, but but God is is just and he is he is gracious to us. So Paul's not standing on, on a soapbox here looking down on the Romans like they're of lesser importance or they don't know anything. Let me tell you something because you don't know anything. Like That's just that's not a, a place that Paul's coming from. This, this, he's trying to saturate this letter in humility as he writes it. James 4 tells us that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. <clears throat> it's by God's grace that Paul understands what he understands. So, <clears throat> it's by God's grace that he met Paul on the road to Damascus, right? I mean, Paul's not, Paul didn't Paul hasn't done anything to deserve God's love. I mean, Paul's persecuting Christians, you know? I mean, so God's pouring his grace out on him that he would meet him, that he would draw him to himself. I'm not teaching from this pulpit this morning because I'm a smart guy. First Corinthians says. 1 Corinthians 2.2 says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I like to camp there because I know that's true. I know know that's true, but but that's about it. And and that's a safe place to say because what, what else is there to know? I could read this text in Romans... And we could go home. Or better yet, we we could have stopped after Cam read because he memorized his and uh, this boat's sinking. Uh. <laughs> if we simply gather together to not forsake the assembling of the saints and read the Bible and went home, that would be enough. Because the Bible teaches us that God's word does not fall void. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God doesn't need Adam Barney. It's by his grace that he allows me, or allows any of us, to be a part of what he is doing when he is doing it. It's good to remember that God gives the increase in our lives. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And it is all done by his grace and for his glory. Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's a free gift to us. It cost Jesus his life, but it's a free gift to us. It's by grace, through faith, not by works. Again, God, God is complete without us. How often does the world try to complicate salvation through Christ? Look at some of the other religions, or all the other religions, really, that have been created because people have to insert works into their salvation. There's, there's got to be something we have to do. We can't just, it can't just be free. It can't, Jesus couldn't have paid at all. Like, well, there, there must be something we have to do to earn it. But God tells us in the book of Isaiah that our works are like filthy rags to the Lord. We know it's by grace through faith, not by works. So can salvation really be as simple as it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10? Let's read it. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart that one believes and is justified. And it is with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. God made salvation and following his word simple because he knew we would complicate it and mess it up otherwise. Sometimes the reminder of the truths of God is that it is that simple. It's helpful to remember when we're reading the word of God that the plain things are the main things. It takes humility to follow after Jesus. You must deny your selfish desires to follow Christ. We were created to worship something. God's made us to be beings that worship something. And to worship anything other than Jesus is to be left wanting and alone. Remember, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
we must accept that we cannot be found righteous without Christ. We cannot do enough good things to obtain for ourselves a right standing before God. We can't look at the end of our life and go, I think I did enough. Just enough to squeak in. Does Matthew, the book of Matthew tells us that, that God, God says, Away from me, I never knew you. Jesus is interested in a relationship. One beauty of God's plan for salvation is that He gives us the Holy Spirit. Once we believe, it's right here, verse 16. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This is part of the redemptive process in making us holy. The Holy Spirit is something that you can never get enough of. It's not like, oh, full of Spirit, I'm good. All anxiety, all fear, all anger, all frustration, all sadness, all worry, all doubt, It disappears when we have the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? I mean, the fruits of the Spirit. You don't hear people say, fruits of the Spirit are fear, anger, frustration, sadness. No, but the fruits of the Spirit are, this is memorizing by heart, forgive me, Uh, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. What, another one? Love. What in the heck? Love. I said that one first, I think. Yeah. Wow. Um, I should put that in here. Um, man, it just, the, the Holy Spirit changes our perspective. Paul isn't laboring for his Creator. Let me, uh, let, me, let me read verse 17. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. And so we, we know that Paul's not, not bragging here. Like, otherwise, otherwise we're, we're missing something somewhere else in this book. But we, we know that Paul's not going... Look at me. Look at the things I did. I I did so good. So he's not bragging on himself, nor should we brag on ourselves for the works that we do in Christ. Because apart from Christ, we can't do those works. For if anything good comes from us, then all glory goes to the Lord. Remember, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Paul is laboring for his creator. He takes joy in that. He's, as the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, running with endurance the race that is set before us. So, I want you guys to think for a moment about working or laboring like think of a, a time when 
when you just sun up to sundown or before the sun came up to after the sun went down. You're just working, working, working and laboring. And there's, you get home and you're, you're tired and you're like, oh man, I feel like I did something today. Like, but there's joy, there's, there's fulfillment in working hard and rolling your sleeves up, getting your hands dirty, like just putting in a, a hard day's work. There's, there's joy in that. But how much more joy comes from working or laboring for the Lord? And so and we can work and labor for the Lord in all that we do. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be witnessing to people, but in, in how we live our life and how we lead by example, do all things for the glory of the Lord. This is some of the joy that Paul's experiencing. Verse 18, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. So Paul uses his testimony to witness to the Gentiles. Testimonies are powerful witnesses for the Lord because people can't argue with your testimony. Because your testimony is an account of what you have seen God do in your life. Paul knows that. Our testimonies are powerful, so he keeps telling people all about the things he has seen God do. And well, we know that Paul got to see God do a lot of cool things. I mean, even if God stopped with blinding him and restoring his sight, that's but all the things that God used Paul to do. That's his testimony. And in Paul's testimony, God is magnified and he's glorified. We shall want our testimonies to magnify and glorify God with the hope that people would come to know the abundant love of Christ. Paul lived his life for Jesus and took his mission to share the gospel with the Gentiles serious. But we also know he didn't pass up an opportunity to share with the Jews or anyone else that would listen. He did this not to his own credit, but to the credit of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Verse 19, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. 
Jerusalem down to Illyricum is a region of about 1,400 miles. That's a long ways to travel without a car, an airplane, or, or even a bicycle. Paul made it his life's ambition to preach the gospel and help fulfill the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19-20 Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Do you live to serve God and glorify Him in all that you do? Paul lived to serve God and glorify Him in all that he did. I I want to live to serve God and glorify Him in all that I do. God has chosen man to carry the message of hope that comes through His Son, Jesus, and share it with people who don't know. That's, we are the vessel that He has decided to use. It takes humility to follow after Jesus. It takes humility to be bold and help fulfill the Great Commission. It takes humility to exhort one another in truth. Because at some point, for walking in humility, we'll be uncomfortable. We'll be stretched. We'll be faced with denying ourselves. And we remember God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna invite the worship team back up if they're around. Um, if not, we'll go a cappella. Just kidding. Um, I just want to take a few minutes, you guys, just during this next song, and I want I want to look I want us to look at our life and what God has done in it. Look at his faithfulness towards you. Look at how he has loved you. Does his love drive you to love people enough to tell them about him? Does his sacrifice drive you to sacrifice your selfish ambitions and your ideas of what your life should look like? Does Christ's humility drive you to desire to be humble? Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ is King. He is royalty. And he humbled himself 
so much he actually died on a cross and took punishment that was due to us. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I want to encourage all of us during this next song to not fear but humble ourselves before God and ask Him to grow us. Ask God to take you deeper in and higher up. Maybe for some of you this morning, it'll be the beginning of living a life for God. And maybe for others, it is a time to simply say, Lord, I need more of you. And so I leave you with Hebrews 3, 3 through 4. It says, But exhort one another daily, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold, origi- we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Lord, just, uh, just pray that over us this morning. We awaken our souls, God. draw us into our first love. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to all generations. you are never ending. We are thankful that your love does not run out. Jesus is the well that never runs dry. God, you are faithful to all generations. You love us so much that you would send your only son. To die for a man. filthy rags. Meet us, Lord, this week as we go from here. Draw us into Yourself, Lord. That we would make much of You. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, you guys... um...